Hi, everyone. Welcome to the May 6, 2022 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've missed the last few weeks, I'm in my, my last couple of shows. This is the second to last show, and I cannot wait till you see the very special guests we have for this program. I'm looking very, very forward to it. But I will be with you next week, and then we'll have our, our grand finale. It's for my time. The show will go on. But let's get to our first topic. In the wake of the leaked U.S. Supreme Court draft opinion that possibly telegraphs the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Colorado finds itself in the middle of the national discussion. While the draft is not yet a re release of a formal decision, the potential ramifications have sent shockwaves throughout the country. Last month, Colorado lawmakers passed a bill that codified the right to abortion into law here in Colorado and is among the only Western states to have done so. Patty Cahoon from Westford, as always, we start with you. Uh, this is not the first time Colorado's been a trailblazer on this issue. We've, we've been in that role before. Uh, what do you think this will mean for Colorado politics, at least this year, assuming that what we've seen as a draft opinion is what we will see in, as an actual opinion moving forward? Well, lamentably, it might mean a big boom in tourism for Colorado because women who cannot get abortions in Arizona or Oklahoma or Texas may be coming here. Colorado was the first state in the union to legalize abortion back in 1967, and Dick Lamb led that charge. A Republican governor signed it. Everyone agreed that under certain circumstances, and they were more limited then, women have the right to an abortion. They have control over their bodies. Fifty years later, we are now finding out that some people don't think that's right. I'm fascinated by the focus on the leak as though if this came out under the normal circumstances a month from now, people wouldn't be as upset. You know, in journalism, you depend on leaks. I don't know who leaked this. It could be Justice John Roberts, for all I know, because he'd rather not have the decision be so snarky the way Judge Alito wrote it. But the fact is, people are concerned. Most of the countries, what is it, 69, 70% believe in choice, although there are limitations on how they believe it. Women have had control of their bodies for 50 years. Anyone who lived through the period before that knows just what many people went through. And I'm glad Colorado's codified this into law. I originally thought it was unnecessary, but now I think it was a good move. David Kopel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. Uh, you have been one of our uh, legal experts for, for as long as you've been on the show, but also someone who has been part of a team to argue in front of the US Supreme Court. So you know how it works. What do we need to at least know about the whole idea of a draft opinion or an official opinion? And are we getting ahead of our skis on this one opinion-wise? What, what, what do we need to know? Well, that, that, that's part of the mystery. This is a draft first opinion from February 10th. Presumably by now, whatever the court is working on is a much revised thing. That's why you send out the first draft to all your fellow justices. Some will write a dissenting opinion off of it or a concurrence. And, and maybe everyone, even those who aren't in the majority, may have suggestions to improve it. So this is a, it's, it's, that's a very strange thing in itself. But beyond the strangeness, it, it, it's heinous. Uh, there's never been this, an act like that has never taken place in, in all of our history. And it's disturbing to think that whoever that extremely unpatriotic person is uh, who did this, that that person's probably still inside the Supreme Court building and who knows what, what the person's doing to further harm the rule of law. Um, and I'd say locally heinous are the, uh, the criminals who desecrated the Sacred Heart of Mary Catholic Church in Boulder this mm -hmm. week. You know, Coloradans have voted on abortion nine times. In one vote, they amended the state constitution to prohibit taxpayer funding for abortion. In another vote, they enacted 
parental notification, not permission, parental notification for, for minors seeking an abortion with a judicial uh, bypass under appropriate circumstances. And seven other times, they voted against other restrictions, some of them large, some of them, them small. So the new abortion rights law that the legislature passed this year is mostly consistent with what the voters of Colorado have said, and that that's as it should be, but there are two exceptions. One is getting rid of parental notification, and the second is the law eliminates all rights for the unborn child against attacks by criminals. If you deliberately injure a parakeet in Colorado, you can be criminally prosecuted for the harm you did to the parakeet, and this new law says an eight-month fetus is expressly denied even a parakeet's level of legal protection in Colorado. So going around our panel, one of our uh, special guests, as like I said, we've had a few weeks here with some special folks. I am so uh, thrilled to be able to introduce Joey Bunch, legendary, uh, although re retired right now, legendary reporter and editor of Colorado Politics and just one of the best political reporters in town, Joey. It's great to have you here. You know, um, Abortion doesn't seem to be a voting issue in Colorado politically, uh, but um, might it become one because it's going to be such a, a huge issue for this fall, theoretically, from what we've seen telegraphed from this draft opinion? Well, it'll depend if it energizes Republicans. You know, they're pretty beat down and they're looking for a spark. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Democrats, I don't know. You know, Democrats have had their way on abortion, and I think Patty hit the nail on the head. You know, what this means for Colorado is more abortion, not less, because Western states, they're going to, um, you know, they're gonna come to Colorado, you know, come for the skiing, stay for an abortion. The, the, but you know, this, we're just, we're living in disgraceful times. I mean, you know, this feels like both a relic of the past and a sign of the times. You know, you mix in Trump and McCarthy and memory lapse, Marjorie, and the rest of the, you know, congressional insurrection, decency has never been a cheaper commodity. You know, we've stunk up the executive branch and the legislative branch. So since we're at the, uh, at the dog track, let's bet the trifecta and throw in the judicial branch as well. Yeah, and, and, and Dave's right too. You know, anybody that's proud of this whole situation, you know, whether it's the congressional hearings, whether it's the leak, or whether it's the ruling itself, nobody has clean hands and there's not anything to be proud of. And if you can find something to be proud of, then it just speaks to how far you've fallen. And you wonder why we call him Ratings Gold, Joey Bunch around here. Thank you so much for being here. And finally, we were, we were trying to figure out, you know, what, do we put, what do we put on the lower third here for our, our next guest? And, and legend seemed to be the most appropriate one. But we went with retired radio talk show host Peter Boyles joins us, usually in this chair for so many years. Peter, it is such an honor for me to have you here. Thank you for being here for this program. You have seen issues um, create their own momentum in Colorado. And uh, this seems to be one that could go either way. Do you think this will build? momentum as we get closer to November. In three weeks, you and I and Joe can meet at Perkins for the early bird. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> as we're out of work. And um, thank you for inviting me to be here as part of the end of this, and we'll talk about that. I see it all kinds of different ways. I, I love what you guys are saying, and it's so good to be back at the table. Number one, it's sort of this interesting states' right thing, where Colorado says okay to marijuana, and the rest of the country doesn't know what to do. Uh, different states do different things. Right now in Florida, uh, don't say gay is, you know, is, and it goes back and was sitting here with David Copel to discuss this, I'm way out over my head, but that was the argument and the conception of the country was where was the power going to lie, right, David? And, and central or the states were going to have right. the- And ultimately in the people. 
and that was wasn't it? And, and Hamilton argues it, and yeah. they they all argue it, and so it's kind of interesting to see it that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm like Patty when Dick Lamb came through and it was signed uh, by um, was it Bill Owens that signed it or Love. John Love signed it? I'm sorry, I apologize. So. I don't know. This is not going to help the Republican Party. The Republican Party is a disaster. I mean, it, it, it's the Titanic. And so throw this in, and there was this running gag that why these women voted against Donald Trump is because he reminded them of their ex-husband. And so now let's take, you know, where we really do need uh, people that are middle-of-the-road folks to perhaps push across the Republican Party, which is not going to happen, but let's curveball this. And so I, I don't, I, the outcome of this is bad, no, no matter how. And one more thing, don't you think that Roberts or somebody's walking around asking for cell phones at the Supreme Court? He wants to kind of collect everybody's cell phone and see. But you know, that, that's, that was, that was, a, that was a, you're right, David, and that was criminal. So um, yeah. I, it's one of those things there's no good ending to this. There really isn't. That's a good point, and certainly something that we'll be tackling here at the table for uh, weeks uh, weeks to come. Mm. Uh, is before we move on, I, just, I think we, we've covered it, and we'll certainly be covering it uh, moving forward. Uh, let's get to our next topic. Uh, a Denver City Council committee with support from Mayor Michael Hancock is proposing a ban on concealed weapons on city-owned properties, including government buildings, buildings leased to and by the city, and public parks. The entire city council will discuss the proposal and May 16th. Uh, David, you're a national expert on Second Amendment issues. This one, I mean, there's already uh, uh, metal detectors walking into city halls. So that doesn't seem to be that much of a stretch. But city parks seem to be like a whole different situation. And uh, what is the, the legal backing of laws like this that the Denver City Council is proposing? Well, so I, I wrote an open letter to the Denver City Council on, on this matter to give them some information. It's, it's on the Complete Colorado website. Uh, said, first, the U.S. Supreme Court is currently working on its most major case ever on the right to bear arms, and the decision will come either this month or next. So it would just be prudent for the city council to wait for that decision so they can write a, something that, that's compliant with it. Second, based on the existing precedents from the U.S. Supreme Court and from the uh, other lower courts, uh, a, a ban on licensed carry in government buildings is constitutional, and a ban on licensed carry in parks is not. And third, the data from the FBI and the county sheriffs of Colorado show that adults with concealed carry permits in Colorado are much, much more law-abiding than the general adult population. In fact, the people with the carry permits are 39 times less likely to be arrested in any given year. And that only makes sense because other than ripping off the do not remove tag from your mattress, concealed carry is the easiest crime in the world to get away with. You know, just don't walk into a metal detector and <laughs> you'll get away with it. So the only people who bother with the process of the, you know, all the money you have to spend to do it and all the, the many hours, especially in Denver, that it takes, they're, they're so hyper law abiding, they're going through all this just to get a little card from the government so they can get away with something they could have gotten away with anyway. Which means this whole Denver City crackdown is not about public safety, it's about uh, political theater. 
Joey, admittedly, I, you know, not an expert of Second Amendment rules uh, and the law like uh, David is, but I think about the idea that you suddenly there's a law so you can't carry a gun in, in a park. I can't imagine somebody who's there to do something nefarious. Like, oh, oh, wait a second, Bob, we can't do this. We can't carry a gun here. We got to put this back in the car. I don't think that's going to happen. Perhaps I'm being cynical would not be the first time. Your uh, thoughts? You know, I, I see the three Ps all the time. Pointless, political, Ploy. That's what this is. I mean, come on, look at Denver. It's an ultra-liberal city with a multitude of problems. Guns in the public library ain't one of them. But, you know, maybe if homeless people would pack in heat, that issue would get the, the attention it deserves. But, I, you know, I don't know. You know, and then Dave's right. It's political theater. You know, I don't know. You know, I, there was a great line on Jimmy Kimmel the other night that said, uh, hey, we're Democrats. We couldn't find something to write with in a pencil factory. And I think that's, that's exactly what this demonstrates is something that, you know, makes a lot of noise but then gives you nothing. But, you know, who am I to talk? You know, I tell you what, it's just, I don't know. This is the reason I, uh, I have heart attacks is because uh, of things like this. It's, um, but, you know, I, and I've made a good living and a fun living covering politics. And so it's kind of hard to take this from a guy with a mouthful of popcorn and peanuts. But this clown is tired of the circus. Uh, I think you, you come at a very per, a, a great position to be able to talk on an issue like this. Peter, clearly the city uh, is trying to respond to uh, you know pretty huge levels of crime and violence. I don't know if this is what's actually going to do something about it. What do you think? Well, I mean, disarming a, a, a citizen from a criminal who potentially could be there to do something wrong seems obscene. But what this is Denver. And Denver is like Siegfried and Roy. You know, Siegfried and Roy, and you'll do something over here to distract something over here. In the meantime, we have this skyrocketing crime problem, this amazing dope problem, all these problems of homelessness, all the issues that, you know, people are not allowed to protect their own children in schools. So what is the Denver City Council going to do? I'll take away David's gun. Brilliant. I mean, <laughs> David's right. David's absolutely right. Uh, Patty, not the first time we've talked about uh, Denver City Council politics here. Where do you think this goes from here? I think we're going to have one big discussion. They already had postponed it a week to, to get more information from the city attorney's office that, that it turned out David so politely provided. The issue of guns in parks, I don't understand the legal difference why it's, not, it's constitu constitutional to ban them in city buildings and not in parks, but I can tell you we have to do something about our parks. We just had La Alma Park closed for over a week because of a shooting there that killed a good Samaritan. Presumably the person who shot him did not have a concealed carry uh, permit. We had the big shooting in Civic Center Park and Lee Keltner was killed by an unlicensed security guard who shouldn't have been packing either. His concealed carry I think was from Melbourne County. But so we've had issues that this would not solve, but clearly we have issues in our parks that we need to deal with. Denver's first black district attorney, Norm Early, passed away early this week. Serving as district attorney of Denver from 1983 to 1993, Early was involved in many high-profile cases. Early ran for mayor of Denver in 1991, entering the race as the frontrunner, but state lawmaker Wellington Webb defeated him in the runoff election. Joey, we start with you on this one. Uh, a legendary uh, uh, person in Denver politics and, and really ran the gamut of successes and failures, but certainly part of a lot of big things happening in Denver. Your thoughts on the passing of Norm Early? Well, I considered him a personal friend. I could call him anytime. He always returned my call and he always hadn't found a way to make me smile. But, but 
He is. He's a legend of, of history. Whether you agree with his politics or not, you cannot deny that he was a consequential person. And, you know, we're losing those people. You know, this comes just a couple of weeks after we lost Dennis Gallagher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's not hardly a week that goes by that I don't still grieve for Greg Hobbs, who was my mentor and friend and the former Supreme Court Justice. And, you know, all we can do is stand and salute as the parade of history goes by. And we've lost another great one. An excellent take as always. Peter, uh, we've covered both here on this show with you and you on your radio show a lot of the things that normally is involved in, including, wasn't he district attorney for Allen Berg's murder? I had lunch with a friend yesterday and we talked about that when um, after the RICO trial in uh, Seattle and then uh, following that, then there was a, a Allen civil rights had been violated and it was, uh, I believe it was Judge Kane, I think, sat that one. And then came, uh, and that was a federal case here, but then Norm had the opportunity to, to seek the death penalty on four of the men who were still, three of, the, three of the four that were in the car the night they killed him. Robert Matthews had died on Wibley Island, but there was uh, Bruce Carroll Pierce, uh, David Lane, and I believe Richard Scatari was the other guy in the car. And, and Norm passed on, on the death penalty. And we had big conversations about it. I can't tell you that I, I, I wanted him to prosecute them. I wanted him to prosecute them, and he chose not to. But Norm was a very good man. Um, we were close friends. I like what Joe said about him. Uh, he, Wellington Webb, took a, a page out of the Dick Lamb scrapbook. When Dick Lamb walked Colorado. He literally did. And, and Wellington Webb put on the, and I think it was part of his logo, was a big mm -hmm. tennis big shoe, big walking shoe. And he walked Denver, and Norm got into bed with the elite, the power elite, the money. And, and I would try and say, Norm, you know, please get away from these guys. And Ms. Calhoun and I have been taken to lunch and dinner by these people numbers of times to try and persuade us <laughs> in the past not to be the two rotten human beings that we are. But, um, and that kind of crashed his, his political career. He, he was a, a good man, and I like what Joe said. Uh, I was going to use Dennis Gallagher. I went to Dennis's wake mm -hmm. and spoke at his wake. And uh, what a, they're all, you know, who's left? So. Yeah. Patty, uh, Norm Murley is part of a lot of different issues in Colorado. As you follow Denver politics, he's a, a pivotal player. Again, uh, winning or losing is still a, a big part of it. Your thoughts? Well, think how remarkable it was back in 91 when we had just had uh, Denver's first Chicano mayor, mm -hmm. Federico Pena, and Norm runs and Wellington Webb Web, Web runs. So in a city that was still primarily white, you had two black candidates. Webb did come up from behind, and it wasn't just that Norm got attainted by the power elite. He also got involved with Yafet Kodo, yeah. the Hollywood actor in one of the strangest Good. chapters in Colorado political history <clears throat> that was right before this show started. So we never got a chance to talk about it. So I am now. It was really unusual, and he just kind of lost his way, and I would almost say his mojo on that. Yeah. He was a good man, he was a good DA, and we should remember him as a good public servant for this city. David, uh, as district attorney, part of a lot of pivotal cases in Denver's history, um, what do you think about, as we talk about the legacy of Norm Early? Well, it, uh, one of the other things was he was, he became a mentor to many young black lawyers and, and founded like the Sam Carey Bar Association for, for black lawyers. Uh, so he was, he was a huge leader for the 
the current generation of, of Colorado lawyers. Uh, on, on the mayoral thing, he was the victim of the long-running curse that if there's an open seat race for mayor in Denver, whoever's leading early never wins at the end. And in fact, the same thing happened much later to his finance chairman for that 99-1 race, Chris Romer, when Chris was the uh, candidate for mayor of Denver. So if, if you're one of those what seems to be hundreds of viewers out there thinking about running for mayor of Denver this year, <laughs> next year, be a tortoise, not a hare. Hear, hear. Well, let's get to our very favorite part of the show. Uh, start with Disgrace of the Week, as always. Miss Calhoun, please start us off. It's just too easy, but I have to. Homeland Security, probably not smart to start a disinformation board, but Lauren Boebert jumping on it. If there's anyone who knows disinformation, it's that Colorado Congresswoman. <laughs> David. Another disinformation expert, President Obama, is leading this push for government control of speech and disinformation. Let's remember that he won an award uh, from PolitiFact, the left-leaning fact-check organization. They gave him the Lie of the Year award for his for what he knew at the time was false when he was saying that with Obamacare, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. We're getting some greatest hits into this one. I like this. Joey. Congressman Madison Cawthorn. <laughs> Just Google it, folks. But I'm, I'm going to take the glass half full position here that Madison Cawthorn and Marjorie Taylor Greene make Lauren Boebert look like the adult in the room, and that ain't easy. <laughs> Indeed. Peter. I, I was going to go with the Colorado State Republican Party till. Miss Calhoun talked me into doing John Eastman. <laughs> I thought, and I, I believe now, uh, John Eastman was a real fun guest on the radio show and uh, Professor Eastman. And uh, I believe that the professor has now taken the Fifth Amendment more times than Frank Costello. Uh, and so what a guy, John Eastman. And over to you. <laughs> it is now time to say something nice about somebody. Patty. The Colorado Chicano Mural Project was just named by the National Historic Trust as one of the endangered places, which is good. It's recognition of these incredible artists and the long legacy they left in Colorado. David. So I won't be here next week because of another commitment. So this is my last show with, with Dominic. And for over a quarter century, he has given this show and this station his all. Colorado public television viewers have long been accustomed to public television be, being better because he's part of it, and he will be missed. Thank you very much, Dave. It's very kind. Joey. Here, here to Dave, and all I can say is that if the Denver Press Club isn't clearing a space on the Hall of Fame, they ought to burn down the building and walk <laughs> away in a fireball of shame. <laughs> very kind. Thank you, Joey. Thank you. Peter. S speaking of that, the, the finally... Uh, the Colorado Press Club is going to bring in Alan Berg and uh, about time. And the Radio Hall of Fame, the Radio Television Hall of Fame, I've talked to them, and they've decided after all these years that they'll bring in Alan, I think, as well. I'll just second and third what uh, I, we, we talked a little bit before the show started. Mm -hmm. Dominic walked in there as an intern. <laughs> and as me and Miss Calhoun, I think, were the only original. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and you think of that legacy uh, of, of Sue... Uh, Pierre, Al. Al Knight. I mean, what a table it was. And you came in as, how old were you? 23. <laughs> and you have done, you've exceeded. So for you, Dominic. Oh, thank you. That yeah. is very kind. And I uh, get to say a few things nice about uh, some folks here. I've carved out some time here. Um, I'm going to start with uh, right around the table. Uh, 
I have had the great honor to, again, walk in as an intern, and I, Peter was one of the folks that kind of raised me as a pup. I that actually have any TV experience comes, because I was able to watch uh, a master at work with Peter, both the tape show and the live show, and uh, when they finally establish a Mount Rushmore of Colorado media, there's a big smiling face of Peter Boyles waiting for it, and it means the, the world to me for you to be here uh, for this show, Peter. Thank you. Um, I also want to say something nice about our friend Joey Bunch. Like I told you before, there's a very good reason why we call him ratings gold around here. Um, everybody loves Joey. It's that, That's not hyperbole. It's not the name of a great TV show, although it would be a good TV show. Uh, people on the left, on the right, in the middle, there's always something good that they want from Joey. And simply very much, uh, Joey, the, the world is a better place with you in it. You have faced more than your fair share of challenges, but you come out as the lovely bon vivant that we all love. Uh, so that just know that everyone, I've talked to everyone here, just wants uh, more time with Joey Bunch in this world, and we're grateful that, that you're here. You. And as, as David so eloquently put, it is his uh, last show with me. He's not here next week. Um, David is very simply one of the smartest people I've ever known. Um, I, get, I, get, I like to tell people that the three most well-read people that I know in the entire world, two of them are sitting here. It's, it's Peter Boyle, it's David Copeland, my father. Um, if I read a tenth of the books they've read, I, I'll have to read between now and the end, my ending days. Um, but what you also need to know as an audience is the work David does behind the scenes to make sure we deliver the very best program to you. Are we covering the right topics? And Patty and I uh, like to tease him that he actually is uh, the one of the few people that do homework on the show. If we're going to cover a lawsuit, an amendment, a bill, David reads it. He doesn't skim it. He doesn't look at the headlines like Patty and I do. He's actually going to read the whole thing because that means he can provide the very best analysis to you. He has always thought about putting the audience first, and I get all the, the, the viewer email. There are folks that know he's the, one of the smartest people at the table. There are folks that want to disagree with him every week, and I love all of that because he's here for all of it, and I'm, I'm just been grateful for my time Thank with you. you here, David. Thank you. Um, Patty is with me next week, so she gets her say something next week. Um, I have one more uh, say something nice for a very special group of people who you don't get a chance to see all the time, but I have had a chance to work with for so long. It's the crew of this show. Um, we get to look good and just sit down and, and, and say funny things and great analysis, but it is our crew that works so hard that makes it happen. Um, People like uh, Raven, who's in back making sure that I can actually <laughs> read a script in the prompter, uh, uh, Jeff, Kevin, uh, Mark, Polina, Will, Julius, and Chad, all great people who have, have uh, made make this show happen. I'm so grateful to work with them, uh, especially Julius, who's actually bested me at movie trivia twice. Now, don't get cocky, Julius. It's only been twice, but he's actually bested me there, but I thought I'd publicly admit that. And, of course, uh, two other people. One, the producer of this fine show, Elle Neff, who I'm so excited for this show to be in her hands moving forward. She's uh, the perfect person to, to take it on. And the captain of the crew, the person, our own, um, he is calm in any crisis. Steven Zinn, our director. The reason it looks so good around here, our lighting, our shots, everything is because of him. Um, he is so good under pressure, he makes Cool Hand Luke look like Don Knotts. And there's some of my crew here like, who the heck is Don Knotts? But trust me on this one, he is the guy you want with you in the foxhole. He is the person who keeps everything running smoothly. Uh, this crew is an amazing group of people, and I've had the distinct honor of working with them. And uh, now dragging a little bit over time, but then they handle that problem too. So uh, to all those folks, I'm grateful. Uh, one more show to go. I will be with you next week, and we'll have more fun with some more special guests. 
But that is all the time we have for this episode of Colorado Inside Out. For everybody here at PBS 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night. Thank you.